This is Caesar Walker, the cool, calm, collected one. And I'm Ronnie Gatchery, the emotional one. And this is the Tipping Point Podcast, your source for sophisticated ignorance, intellectual stupidity, and well-articulated nonsense. And, guys... Oops, sorry. <laughs> oh, it's all good. It's a delay now, so I never know if you're going to hit it or not. Okay. Um... <laughs> We'll keep going. But, um, actually, guys, we want to thank you for your support of the podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening. If you haven't already, please, 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 please follow us on our streaming platforms, wherever you're listening to that. That can be Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever. Please subscribe and give us a five-star review. Show love wherever you can. Also, guys, we want to challenge you to follow us. We're currently on Twitter as well as IG. But we have a, a website that lists all of our streaming platforms as well as social media platforms. Yesri, what's the website? That is the tippingpoint.com. T H A tippingpoint.com. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. With that, we shall get started. I believe that, if I'm not mistaken, all right, because we're getting up there in numbers, is this episode 72? Uh, Walker, you know good and well I I cannot count past 50 So I'm just trusting your word on this one mm, Okay, <laughs> alright um, I'm going to go with 72 okay. And it's a special episode Because we actually have a special guest Absolutely now, This is a unique guest Because unlike our previous guest Neither Gatry nor I know this guest personally And this is cool Because we're hoping that down the road We continue to have more guests like this So uh, You can take it away and introduce And bring in our guest Walker you know how excited I get When we have guests in the building And we're self-quarantined still So everybody relax We're we're obeying the, the laws of the land and everything But um, no our, our guest today uh, he's, he's a man who um, I'm blessed uh, that we were able to connect on social media I'm um, inspired by this man on a weekly basis by uh, the positivity he posts um, his uh, I guess his reach is uh, exponential as well and um, if, if our listeners don't know yet Walker and I are sports junkies so um, this particular guest feeds that, uh, feeds that uh, need of ours um, we have former pro basketball player Jamar, aka Jay Warren, in the building. <laughs> Jay, what's going on, man? What's up, fellas? How y'all doing? Doing well. You sound like Hey, hey, Jay, I'll be honest with you. I struggle with like the applause sound effect or the uh, the Bulls uh, <laughs> theme music or whatever. But I was like, oh, let me just stick with the applause. <laughs> Dude, welcome to the tipping point, Jay. Thank you for being here on being on here with us today um, in this whole quarantine status. We really appreciate it. Um, so I'll just I'll just get to it, Jay, uh, for our listeners. Who are you, man? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, like, uh, you guys saying, you know, Jamal Warren, uh, that's my basketball name. Uh, you know, people come to my friends call me Jay. I'm a former international basketball player, um, played uh, on the national team at Panama, uh, did that for uh, seven years, played uh, internationally for 13 years, and, uh, you know, transitioned to a career. You know, I'm an entrepreneur now where uh, I do uh, – 
network marketing and a marketing company and a, a marketing training business uh, where I teach uh, a lot of network marketers and uh, a lot of, um, you know, basketball players, so I teach a basketball player, but more athletes have to make that transition from, uh, you know, when they come into being a, you know, when they go, when they're a star or when they're playing and they don't know what to do after the sport of basketball, you know, I help them transition back into uh, that, uh, that everyday, quote unquote, everyday life, uh, make that transition because it is a, um, for a lot of athletes out there and people who maybe not, you know, maybe not even athletes, just the people out there who, who they don't know what they want to do. And so I just try to help them with that, uh, get, you know, paint that vision for them. Good deal. So, so now you you played you played in a lot of countries, man. Like overseas, uh, internationally, playing ball. What was what was the best part of your career in terms of like where you played and and career highlights and whatnot? What what, what would you say would stand out as one of the best experiences of your of your career? Well, I would say uh, the national team for sure. Um, you know, I've, I've played in a lot of countries, played for a lot of different teams in those countries, but um, I, I think that where um, on this side of the on this side of the planet, you know, American and stuff like that, they don't understand how big FIBA is. Like that's called the second biggest sport in the world, and FIBA is a massive platform. It's um, right, it's basically right behind it. Uh, well, well, it's people call it soccer, but I won't go down that path. But you know, the people who call the NBA is obviously huge, but FIBA is. is uh, very big as well, and if you could be able to perform on that platform and perform on that stage and be able to compete for the Olympics, we, we didn't get to the Olympics. We lost in the pre uh, pre qualifying Olympics, but be able to play on that uh, stage and against uh, you know those players, you know, I mean, get to play against uh, you know players like Nobly and uh, you know Barbosa, then you know Circle Brazil and all these NBA guys uh, who. Uh, you know, get, get to represent their country. Um, it was pretty dope. I mean, we we, we didn't get my first big story. My first year playing for the national team, we were in Vegas, and um, you know, this is when uh, the U.S. they uh, they had lost uh, that 2004. So that's when um, uh, LeBron and Carmelo and D Wade coming off the bench. Um, so they had lost. They had lost the redeem team, right? <laughs> They were yeah, calling they, it? No, no, no. That, no, so that, that, no, it was before that team. Uh, before that team. Okay, okay. got yeah. Well, the redeem team, yeah. So they start, they had to bring those, you know, because they had to compete again. Because then they lost in 2004. Uh, our, actually, Argentina had won the. That's right. Uh, I remember that. So, yeah, so U.S. had to play, you know, they had to play again. Because usually the U.S., they just, you know, they just ramp up like the summer before because they always, you know, they, when you win, you qualify for the, uh, the next Olympics, like you don't have to play. So, 2007, they had Kobe on their team. They had uh, LeBron. Had uh, I think the White House on their team. Mm. Uh, so they, they had they had a squad, and uh, the the champions who were Argentina at the time they beat us right before we got to play the U.S. And it was one kind of a disappointing because uh, you know. We, I mean, we, we were actually beating Argentina. We had them up like about nine or ten with like three minutes left. And then like a lot of players were celebrating. And I was like, wait, hold on, relax. I was like, we, haven't, we haven't won yet. <laughs> and we ended up losing over. <laughs> we no. ended up losing over. Yeah, so, we, we, you, know, we, you know, they were they were looking for 
Don't listen out there, kids. Don't look forward to your next step. You got to finish the job first before you get to the next step. Mm. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Now, you, you mentioned two players, uh, Leonardo uh, Barbosa. I think he was called the Brazilian Blur or something like that. Um, yeah, of his speed. And uh, Manu Ginobili. Do those two stand out in terms of the most impressive guys you've had to score off against and that you've been most impressed by actually playing a game against? Uh, on the international level, yes. Uh, the Brazilian Blur, like, that name, uh, his nickname, uh, definitely uh, it. I mean, he, he's probably one of the fastest guys I've ever had a chance on of. Um, he is. He, I mean, he just doesn't stop. He's just constant movement and it's quick. So that nickname, he has that nickname for a reason. And then, you know, Ginobili, you know, the legend. Even when I went to go down there and I played in Argentina uh, a few years, uh, I mean, he, his IQ of the game is so, is so high. And, you know, you just respect the guy because he's just a winner. Um you know, I mean, I mean they, he don't get the love. I mean, people, you know, they like him over here, but it's like, you know, the, the international love that he gets is, is a different type of love. It's, you know, it, it would be like, uh, like a LeBron or a Kobe, but on an international level, that's how much uh, love that, that guy gets because he just, he's been able to win on every level from, you know, the time he was 15, he's been on the national team all the way to the NBA finals and got Olympics. So, I mean, the dude's a legend, man, but, when you when you play when you're playing against them, you can uh, the respect that you have uh, playing against a guy like that is, is pretty dope. J- Jamar, let me ask you this, man, and th- this has everything to do with balling on the international circuit, dude. How are the environments over there? Because like like and, and, and what I mean by that is I know I, I've been to I've been to several NBA games and like it's cool and it's like I feel like people are more reserved. But I kind of get an impression that when you go overseas, I feel like in terms of like crowd intensity and environments, I, I feel like it's a totally different beast. Can can you speak to that? Um, different as, as far as um, not as reserved, <laughs> not as reserved in, in terms of crowd um, demeanor. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, the, I mean, I would say the, the fans are, uh, you know, they're very loyal. You know, to the team. Um, I mean, there's. It, I would say it's a little different over there because, like over here, there's security, <laughs> and um, and so security can kind of get it under control. Um, and overseas, there's been incidents where it hasn't been security and it hasn't been under control. So. Um, <laughs> I'll, well, I'll just try to keep it like that. <laughs> I <don't Yeah>. know. <laughs> I'll use my imagination. Okay. There's <laughs> uh, a couple of, uh, you know, mouse in the palace incidents, you know, and I don't, I don't want to say it's regular like that over there. However, uh, it, it has been like that over there. Oh, wow. Um, and, it, and, it, and it depends on what country you're in. I'm, I mean, it's not like that with every country. It depends on what country you're in because um, I mean, they, they just put it this way. They they sell they sell, they sell uh, liquor at some of those. Uh, some of those ah. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> when, the, when the henny's in the system. <laughs> yep, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 
you gotta go in. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this, man. Uh, I want to bounce, and, and, and I love the fact that we have a, a professional ball player on with us because I can bounce some of my own fan theories off of this, off of you, especially since you played in national ball. You're a big fan of the NBA. Um, do you think that, you know, we grew up in a time where the NBA was a very physical game in the 90s, 80s, whatnot, right? The Bad Boys Pistons, I remember the New York Knicks in the 90s, how they, they were very physical and tough. Um, you look at the Barclays and how he played, the Malones and how physical he was. Now the game is more spread out, and you're, you're, it's a lot of international influence because the game has become more global. Has that helped kind of close the gap, so to speak, between the rest of the world and the NBA? Do you think? Um, I would say yes, uh, because um, the, the way the game is taught, you know, especially during that era, you know, very physical. You know, you, you know, there's not a foul unless there's blood. Uh, um, you know, I mean that 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 game is that 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 game is over. You know, that's why you know on the time that we fair errors and stuff like that is really really mm-hmm. difficult because you know when I started. Uh, Go down the professional path, like that's you. You're taught. You you basically learn what you're taught, and that you know you talk through that physical stuff. But when you go, you know, when you transition from, you know, the state side where they teach you to the international side where they teach more, you know, skills and half court sets and you know fundamentals and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's you know, so you got you get you know that's why a lot of Americans and a lot of imports they don't make it is because you know they they, they refuse to you know, accept that learning or accept that skill and, you know, and that's and that's what they teach over they're actually teaching again. That's because, you know, I'm not I'm I don't think it's an excuse, but, you know, they're not as you know, they're not as they're not a, a lot of them are as athletic as us or have right, you know, the, the talent that we have. But the reason why they have caught up is because the you know, the, the skill level like that, that era of, you know, being able to be physical and, you know, you know, knock people over and you know, handshake and all that stuff. Like you know, they, all that stuff did it, it stripped. It was stripped away. You know, basically during that time. And now, uh, you know, you got you. You know, you, you know yes, you still got to be physically, physically strong, got to be mentally strong. But there's there's a, a, a high skill level that's involved that, that you need um, if you're going to play at, at a professional level. So yeah, that, that, and, and and I knew with the you know if, if you know. You know, you're talking about the regular family. If you pay attention, the NBA, they knew what they were doing. Like, you know, they started it, you know, back in 92 when they started implementing the NBA and stuff like that because they wanted to make it a global, mm-hmm. global uh, sport. Um, but also what they did is that they, they opened those doors so the Europeans could, you know, play in the NBA. Like, and my, uh, my brother was talking about this the other day. There's 450 jobs in the NBA. It's like thirty three percent. It's like twenty eight between twenty eight and thirty three percent of the players are from another country. So mm-hmm. they're right. so that's really one hundred fifty jobs, and I don't think that you know players over here are paying attention to that because they, they focus on the LeBrons and you know the Wade and the you know. But now you see that Giannis, you know, who's from another country, and Luca, who's from another country. How these people are in the MVP conversation. And the transition's been made, and I think that we're behind that bell curve because 
you know, they've opened the door for these international players because they want to make their, you know, on the business side, they want to make it global. But, you know, the people on this state side are not, you know, basically understanding that. And, you know, they you know, end up falling behind. So right. you got to understand the shit about transition that has, that has happened and is continued to happen that, you know, it's up to the people, you know, because, yeah, we are a bit more talented, but, it's, you know, but the NBA is thinking on the business side. They have to think about, you know, the best player, you know, they're being the best players on the planet now. And FIBA, which I mentioned earlier, is one of the recruiting places that they go. So if you're playing for the national team and you're playing on, on these stages, they can, they can go there now, you know, where basically they found Luca and they found Giannis, who, you know, and even Carl Anthony Towns, you know, played against him and he, he's a Yankee. Uh, they, they go there and they recruit these players there and these people in college, you know, who think they can use that path to go to the NBA, it's, you know, slowly, unless you're basically like a one and done, it's slowly getting stripped away. Mm. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, and and uh, Jamar, I don't know if you if you know this about me, but um, <laughs> Walker's good. He's gonna roast me all this. Well, I, I okay. <laughs> well, I, I coach uh, my six year old son's basketball team, and I, I've been coaching him in basketball since he was four. But one of the things you said that kind of made me kind of pat myself on the back is the, the importance of the fundamentals, and um, I, I've structured my practices even back to when he was four. Um, with the with the large percentage of the practice being based on just fundamentals of the game, and the kids hate it, you know. But uh, it's good to know that that I've been since I've been striving that it. I, and and let, let's be honest, no one on my team will, will, will ever get close to the NBA. But you know, for in order for us to have competitive teams going down the road while we're playing here, it's good to know that the value of fundamentals uh, does mean a lot, even at a professional level. So. I definitely, as a coach, I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think, you know, I mean, that, and, that, and that's another thing, because, uh, you know, uh, I didn't get into that part. Like, I mean, for, you know, I, well, I turned to business, I have turned to business. I, I do train, you know, uh, athletes as well. And, uh, you know, not, you know, from, you know, that grade from, you know, me and my brother, we have a business that we do from, you know, basically A all the way up to professional. Mm-hmm. But when at that age, you know, they, they do get bored because they, you know, they see the Steph Curry and the James Harden and they want to, you know, they see all these shots, shots, shots. They're not able to make layups. And, you know, they, they, I was like, hold on, I was like, you gotta, you know, like, they're not just, they didn't just start shooting out there. They, you know, like I tried to explain that to them, but, you know, but I think experience is, you know, always the best teacher. But as a coach, yes, you do have, you know, pound those fundamentals in, even if they don't want to. Uh, there's a quote by Bruce Lee where he says that um, he's not afraid of a, a person that knows 10,000 kicks. He's a, he's afraid of a person who practiced one kick 10,000 times. Ooh. And and that's, that's, you know, that even though that repetitive thing is, um, like, it, you know, it, it gets boring and mundane, but that's where that skill set, and that's when that, you know, when, the, when you get sharp with just being repetitive, where it's just that muscle memory, you, you train that, you know, that skill over and over again with second nature. Right. Man, that Bruce Bruce Lee quote was serious. (laughs) Now, I do have a question for you. Uh, I think you was on on another podcast you did about a year ago, and uh, I heard a hot take from you. So uh, I want to bring it up here, and I think you guys were talking about LeBron James. 
Um, okay. One of the greats. And you said something that stuck out to me. I don't even know if you remember Ooh, saying I know you it. go, Walker. I like this. <laughs> but you mentioned that, and, and this is something that people say a lot about LeBron James, that he tends to make people around him better. Uh, in your in your statement, you basically was like, you don't necessarily think that's true. Now, that's not to dismiss his greatness because we the three of us agree he's a great player, uh, one of the great legends. Um, but you basically dispelled that notion that LeBron makes people on his team around him better. You care to elaborate on that or kind of kind of emphasize here why you feel that way? <laughs> um, so. Uh, as a um, like as, as a as a basketball player, and like in the era I grew up in, it, it was you know, you know, eighties, nineties, you know, two thousands. You know, watching you know, I'm you know, forty, so eighties when I watched it, nineties, you know, basically when I was a Jordan era, so I'm you know, I'm trying to be like Mike, and then at the end of the nineties, two thousand is basically when my career uh, takes off. So I'm in that era where. You know, like, like it's basically ISO ball, so right? So you're trying to score. You know, you're athletic. You're not really, you know, shooting as a premium. Where now shooting is necessary. The shooting is a premium during that time. So I'm, I'm, I, that's the era that it's now coming from. Now, when I watch LeBron, yes, he does make his teammates better, but um, and. I, I just, you know, it's just, I, it's, it's hard for me, you know, seeing somebody dominate the ball like that and tell me it's the best position where I need to be so they can, so they can optimize my, quote unquote, my skill. And I think that, you know, like, I give the example now, like he, you know, he's playing with Rondo. Rondo, but come out, you know, you know, well, he was playing with Rondo, but <laughs> playing with Rondo. And all of a sudden, they're saying, like, uh, you know, Rondo, you know, they need playoff Rondo because the Lakers don't have a, a point guard. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, Rondo was running through when he was Boston. He was, they were running through Cleveland. Like, so all of a sudden he forgot how to play point guard. And even, and even in New Orleans, you know, he was, he was doing well. So, yeah. 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 So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're taking a, you're taking the ball out of the person's hands and he's making decisions. And you're like, to me, I see Rondo, you know, as a, as that, point guard because you know I used to train with Rondo and he, he was all you know he he knew those two when he wants to but his his first mindset because he grew up you know he's a little bit younger than me or a lot younger but he grew up in that mindset of you know magic you know getting the teammates involved and all this stuff and that's what LeBron does but like when you it's like I mean it's it's, it's similar but it's not it's like you know the James Harden like like the James Harden they they just they just dominate the basketball where where you have you know, Garrett Smith or Shumpert and all these guys just sitting in the corner just watching them. And then when they, and then when he gets tired or when they're ready to pass them, they're, they're supposed to, they're supposed to make steps because of the professional. It's like, you no, know, you, you need, as a player, you need to be in rhythm. You need right. To right. Be, be a part of the game. You need to, you know, instead of just standing there and, you know, he's trying to get, get you know, control the team, which is the best, uh, what's the best, uh, decision. And no, you're wrong. I mean, I mean, I mean, who am I to say? I mean, he's been the nine straight. Well, he wasn't the nine straight times, you know. So, like, it, well, I guess it, it's just successful, successful for him. So, like, you know, but you know, so like me making that statement, who am I, who am I to say? It's just, an, it's just an opinion of mine. It's just a different style of basketball that 
I'm, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I have, you know, a buddy who loves LeBron and we go back and forth with the debates, and, you know, because, you know, like, when you look at, you know, I'm, I'm an MJ guy, you look at MJ, you know, that's problem. I'm like, you know, give me MJ all the time because it's like, he's just like, just give, you know, just give me the ball and get the way out. I'll take care of it. Well, LeBron is just like, you know, let's, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll see what's the best, you know, double team. I'll see this. It's just a, more of a control factor over everything. And I think that's tough to play as, as a basketball player, especially here in the mindset, like, like I said, when it was me growing up. Yeah, I, I think. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I just, I just, you know, I thought that was a long-winded answer, but <laughs> so go ahead. I think there's some merit to what you're saying because I, I think the problem is that LeBron can't be on the same team as a true as another floor general, right? Like he can be yeah. on the same floor as a point guard who scored first. That's why him and Kyrie worked out like they did, right? Um, but I think someone who their game is, again, like if he was on the floor with like a Jason Kidd, I don't know how well they would have worked together because their game is almost similar, right? If I'm a shooter, I want to play with LeBron because he's going to drive to the basket. He's going to force people to crash down, and all I have to do is stand there and watch, like what Bosch did, and Love did, a uh, few other shooters we can think of did, right? But I, I, I think there's merit to it. I just know it triggers a, a big-time LeBron fan <laughs> because, of course, people kind of think of him as a pass-first kind of guy, as a per, as opposed, even though he can get buckets. People uh, regard him as a pass-first option. I think that's what many people will probably push back on that notion. So well, I just I mean, thought it was I a good discussion. The, I mean, the, the, I mean, I think he's a better pass. I don't think he's a pass-first type of guy. I just think he's, you know, like he's just a better passer. And you know Michael Jordan is, but when you, when, I, I mean, if you're a, a basketball player, you're an athlete, and you see somebody just dominating the ball, and you know, like he gets his teammates the ball, but he, you know, he, he's dominating in a way where, like you said, somebody just said, you know, like you know, Kyrie's the best example. It's like, right, your turn. I mean, it's the same thing with D Wade, you know, right? But, but I think now it's a transition because he's not playing with, you know, like a Kawhi or Paul George like he did with like with D Wade. So, you know, he's playing with a big man now like Anthony. So, you know, quote unquote, that's why he has to dominate the ball more now because right. there's not another key player with him that, um, you know, that he can kind of decide, you know, your turn and stuff like that. But like I said, I mean, it's it's a tough for him. Like, I mean, he 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 changed, you know, he's changed the league, and you know, I'm not thinking. I, 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 I if it sounds like I'm trying to take away from his greatness, I'm really not. Nah, I just, nah. I, I, just, <laughs> I, I just, I just, I just, I just like, I, I guess I'm just like, like. And like I said, this goes to the evolution of the game of basketball as well. Like, because it's not like that, like, in the 80s and 90s, you know, because, you know, I get in the base with, you know, through my age, who's saying, like, you know, they just, you know, they can't stand hard and iron. They can't. I was like, I'm like, listen, this is the way the game is now. Like, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I don't like, you know, the ice ball hard and play. You know, I'm not a fan of it, but that's what the system entitled. So, and that's what they're doing to win. So, like, you know, I, I mean, even though he's driven, like, I wouldn't want to play with him, but, like, it's successful for their team and the system. Like, you know, who, like, who, who, who am I to say? So, same thing like LeBron, like, you know, he, he, what, he's got, what he's been doing has been very, very successful. I mean, he's, everybody was giving him, you know, shit about, you know, and it was a weak East conference, and now he's number one in the West. And now they're now saying, like, maybe he's in D.C. and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, man, like, 
you know, again, you can't take away from him. I mean, he does it in the West now. Now he's not, you know, like, I mean, that, that's why I said the dude's great. It's just the mistake that I made. It's just hard. It's hard as, you know, a, a school, you know, somebody who has a poor mentality. It's just, you know, in a winning mentality, it's like, hey, just I'm going to wait and wait for you to get me the ball and you're going to take out the, you know, like, I'm like, no, I can, I can read too. <laughs> <I'm not laughs> right. So, right. Um, Jamar, I'm going to, I'm going to switch gears here. If that's okay with you, Walker. Um, I, I, I heard, I, I was listening to the same podcast that Walker referenced and, um, I, I wanted to ask you something else about, uh, essentially, I guess you call it NCAA pay for play. You, you mentioned, um, I, it, it was kind of brief, but you mentioned during your time overseas, you saw what their structure where amateurs were allowed to get paid for, you know, the use of their likeness and endorsements and things like that. And um, I, I get that. I, I'm definitely an advocate for uh, college athletes getting getting paid. But I guess my, my pointed question for you, if that were to become a reality here with the NCAA and they were to pay players, in your own words, how would it be structured? Oh, see, I haven't, I haven't thought about it like that. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't want, want that deep in it. Um, but, I mean, uh, on the surface, surface level, I would say the least, the least that, you know, they have to get paid is, like, when people buy their jerseys. Like, you know, when Zion is, you know, like, when Zion's playing for Duke and he's filling up arenas and stuff like that, like, I mean, if it, should you get a percentage of the sales for that? I, I mean, th- I maybe. So. I mean, you know, like, I mean, because people come to, you know, I mean, because that, that one, before he even went to Duke, you know, people were going to Vegas, you know, when he was, he was on that AAU travel team, that private team, that people were going to go watch, watch him play. And he's not, mm-hmm. you know, and he's not getting, you know, paid for that. I mean, and then people are like, well, he's a kid and all that stuff. I'm like, I, you know, I, I, you know when I'm overseas, you know, like Luca was getting paid. Luca was in the ACB. At 15, he was getting paid. Right. Nobody, nobody says something about that. You, you know what I'm saying? Because the, the thing is, because they don't know. They don't understand and they don't know. So, like, the NCAA, you know, and the NCAA, you know, I, let me try to watch it because I may be working for my doubt. I, <laughs> I was going to say, you can be honest with us, but I don't know what that means to you in the future. <laughs> No, it's just no, you know, I, you know, I, you know. I mean, but it, it's hard. It's just hard because, like the NCAA, because they it, it's geared towards, you know, the black sports, African American sports. You know, because baseball they can go early. Baseball you get at seventeen, you can get drafted when you're seventeen. But like, you know, they, you know, they've entered, implemented the one and done, and you know, in college, it's you know, they, you know, like they're not, you know, a lot of them they don't have the names on the back and stuff like that. I mean, I think that's. Alabama too, right? They don't have the name on the back. Too, right. Yeah. Right? Well, well, I, well, on the on the on the field on the field they do, but like if you were to go and buy a jersey, it would be nameless. It'd just be a number. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, but but, but that, I, the, the way I, so the original question, the way we start, I would say at least at least start with like if you know you know a tour, like you know the two jerseys are thrown at, at Alabama. Yeah. He's getting of that. You know, like Zion when they were selling those Zion. I mean, because the reason why they're buying—they're not buying it because of Duke. They're buying it because of Zion, right? right. So why, so why, so why, why is it not? You know, why can they get compensated for that? Well, you and, know, I know, and then they have their—you know—they have their quote-unquote reasoning, and which I don't understand. But I mean, you know, a lot of you know, especially 
you know, these sports, a lot of these, you know, you know, these kids are, you know, African American the fact that coming from you know, impoverished areas and have you they're just thinking of an extra two grand, three grand a month would help, you know, pay those bills. Right. Uh, five school already being paid, I would I would think so. Right. So, I mean I mean I mean that that's the minimum, I mean, I would say at least that to start with now, you know, when you talk about, like, you know, salaries and, you know, games and stuff like that, like, I, I haven't really had the talk process about that, but uh, uh, they're buying, people are buying jerseys because of them, and they're coming to, like, if I'm going to a new game because everybody's talking about Zion, and I'm paying my money to go see, you know, Zion play because he plays the Duke, because if he's playing for North Carolina, I would go to North Carolina. I would say there's a way, you know, there has to be a way that the structure that from, you know, that they get paid off those, you know, the tickets sell something as well. well Especially so, since they can't work. Right. Yeah, yeah. The, the, NCAA, the NCAA puts a lot of restrictions on them. You, like, especially, I think, during the season or, or during the training season, as they, as they call it, they can't work. Like, you can't go you can't go to, down to Chick-fil-A and apply for a job and make some extra money to, to make ends meet. Um, good point, Walker. <laughs> I mean, as soon as you say, and, that, and that's the thing, because, you know, I, you know, me and my brother, we, we talk about this too. As soon as we signed our, our so we both got scholarships, we weren't allowed to work. So you're, you're, I mean, it's like, because the thing is, like, student athletes. So you're, you know, you, you, the thing is that they're paying for your housing and your food, but you're going to be focused on your athletics and you're going to be focused on your sports. So it's like, okay, that's great, but, like, what, what about, you know, like, extra money? Like, I, I, I need to, you know, like, especially if you're coming from, background where you know you work and you want extra money in your pocket like i'm you know like what am i supposed to do about that mm-hmm. and they're like no no no, just this is you need to focus on and then after after the fact that's why i said there's something flawed in the system because once you make the transition i'm not you know somebody who's going to have me on the podcast later i'm not you know i'm not seeing my father's <laughs> like that but there's, a, there's, a system, there's something <laughs> somewhere after after you graduate and like like what that transition from, you know, what you did four years or two years and you get your degree. Because when, you know, when me and uh, my brothers, we have a discussion, they're like, I asked them, like, what was the transition? They're like, no, thank you. It's a paper, but I got to go recruit other kids because they're, cause those coaches are, you know, they're worried about, you know, their, their jobs and they're worried about next season. It's a machine. So again, yeah. you're just, a, yeah. <laughs> so you, you feel me. So, yeah, like, so there, there has to be something in place. You know, or something where they can at least build something where that they can make the transition from that time. And, you know, and, and the thing is like education, but like now when you go to college, you're overqualified. Like you're, over, you're way overqualified when you go to, when you go to college now. There's, you know, there's kids who come out and they're like, hey, they're looking for jobs and they don't get the job because they get the people who didn't, who are quote unquote dropouts or whatever. They've been working that three or four years in a company and mm-hmm. they got the experience. They don't have the college experience. They got the actual company experience, so they're going to yeah. choose that person Dang. rather than the person who actually went to school to get it. So that's why I said there's, there's something in the system where you know it has to be a, a better transition for these athletes to you know like they put because I mean in football I think it's like one percent people make it to the NFL something like that. Yeah, right. There's only four jobs in the in, you know in the NBA, so. I mean, what, what's your plan? Be? What's, what's these kids' plan B? You know, they, they, they're, there's a set out there where they talk about how, uh, you know, like these colleges, yeah, they're graduating all these kids and all this stuff, which is great. I'm, I'm not pooping on that. But 
what you know, but when they graduate, like what's what's the next step? Because grad- graduation is just the end of the chapter, but the next chapter starts. What's the next step? Yeah, but that's 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 where I feel that's missing for you know, and, and especially in our you know in our community. Like I you know I don't I'm not you know in the mindset of other people, but I, I see that in our community because they're pushing sports and entertainment. And you know they're gonna be funny. They're gonna rap something. They're gonna go, no, you know, get you know get get financially educated. Get you know go go learn how these companies are run and stuff like that. So you maybe you can build your own. You know, instead of putting everything in the NBA or NFL or overseas, and then you know that transition company because that's just a short period of time. Rather you play you know, thirteen years like me, or you play twenty years like you know Kobe. You know, having rest in peace. You know, but. You know, but the best thing, Kobe had, uh, an, uh, you know, I know he's in the NBA and stuff like that, and he was he was uh, a great networker, you know. But he had he had a plan afterwards, you know. But a lot of those NBA guys, like, I mean, I, I don't know what you know, what did Iverson do? Mm, you know, right, you know, like, good question. What's the name? Anton Walker was uh, right. He had lost that money in, in their all those bad real estate deals, and he because he was open openly speaking about it on like first take or something, right. So, where's where that you know that that next step in these you know these men's life where you know like what what is it that you know what they gonna what, what's gonna help them what, what are they gonna do man Jamar no no Jamar you're good because because you, you made me think of something this is this is close to home but um there, there's a kid now I mean he he passed away rest in peace uh Deronia Wilson um, he was a standout here in the Birmingham area. This kid, this kid won like Mr. Football and Mr. Basketball in Alabama in the same year. I mean, he was just a freak athletically. And he goes on to Mississippi State, does well in football, graduates, um, doesn't do too well in the combine, gets on a practice squad, and long story short, the NFL doesn't work out. Well, um, what was tragic was all he had left at that point was the rough environment he grew up in. And then he comes back home after the NFL doesn't pan out. And, you know, a couple months later, he's found, you know, fatally, fatally wounded, you know? And it's just like, what if there were some resource that it could be NCAA funded or maybe even school funded that could kind of kind of help these kids realize, hey, if professional sports doesn't work out, we got other options for you. Because I think about a typical fall Saturday, especially here in the South, You've got the biggest of the biggest representatives of these huge companies watching football at the game in luxury suites. And and you mean to tell me like you can't you can't make an opportunity for a few of these guys that you've restructured your whole weekend and part of your life to go see, you know, but but. You know, then, then they end up they end up back in their environment, end up getting getting killed, and then it's just kind of like kind of like you said, Jamar. It's just like on to the next one. Let's see who the next recruit is. They, I mean, it's been processed out. Yeah, it's been processed out. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a machine, and you know what I mean. It's just like any factory. You throw out the parts that don't make you money no more. You know, and that's that's unfortunate, but yeah, there has to be something. And I, and I like the spirit of uh, what Levar Ball was trying to do. Um, in terms of creating something mm-hmm. for guys to kind of get around that uh, NCAA machine and try to make money and develop their skills, like I like the spirit of that. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, and um, and, and Walker, the the kid, yeah, I mean, the I kid we talked about. Go, go ahead, Jamar. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, I, I was gonna, I was just gonna pick back, and I, I agree with you with what you're saying. Like, you know, because he's getting a lot of 
bad publicity just because he was running his mouth. But people, um, you know, because he, he came to the AAU circuit as well. But yeah, I mean, he, he, I mean, he's a great father. Nobody, you know, they don't want to talk about that. Right. 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 <laughs> To, to succeed, like he, I mean, he's like, no, y'all not gonna play for the college. We'll go overseas, and he, he built that, his big baller brand, and he was selling those, you know, those shoes for like five hundred dollars or whatever. And people were like, oh, I ain't paying for that. But you know what? If there's people who bought those, people shoes. bought them shoes. And he right. took that big baller brand, went over to I think it was Lithuania, had structured something out with the TVs and a tournament with all those teams and stuff like. That. I mean, so it's just it's just smart business, right? And, so, and now I mean, his youngest yeah, son's I mean, going to be a projected lottery pick. I mean, this is it's perfect. <laughs> and he, and he's playing against grown men, too. That's what I'm saying. He's been over in Australia. And he's playing, I mean, he's 16, 17, I think. And he's playing against his, Australia. His, I mean, that, that's not a that's not a weak league either. There's, you know, they have a really good national team and all that stuff. And, he, you know, his, his son's over there doing really well over there. Uh-huh. Yeah, he'll be, he'll be a lottery pick. And, and, and that's the thing is this. Been able to, and, and that's why I think there has to be you know better community and stuff too. Because like when, once like once you know something, you can position you know not just yourself, but you know that your environment around you, your circle to succeed. I mean, LeBron LeBron does it very well with you know like I don't know if you guys remember when he first came out. You know he had like ninety million dollars with Nike and then like yeah. two million dollar deal with Donald and like five million with so he had like a hundred million dollars already before even played basketball and then like it was like a week or a month later he had fired that agent and everybody's like, what are you doing why are you find this agent because he hired a boy man you know what i'm saying <laughs> like <laughs> so i mean it's, it's, it, I mean, that, that that stuff is important that, that stuff is important and that's all the feedback off that lavar, lavar ball thing because you know like the reason why he gets he hated quote unquote hated on is because you know he figured it out and a lot of right. people haven't figured it Right, right. I want to take it to, uh, and I don't know if you're familiar with uh, C.J. McCollum's comments in the past week, um, but he was talking about how with uh, the coronavirus and the NBA shutting down that he estimated a number. You got a lot of guys in the league, for whatever reason, whatever decisions they've been making off the court, they're living paycheck to paycheck. And so when when a unprecedented event like the, like the COVID-19 hit and games are suspended and the season is in doubt and people aren't playing, these guys are going to potentially struggle. Um, you talked about how you kind of briefly mentioned the, the Antoine Walkers of the world and, and those individuals. Do you think that there is a way, because at the end of the day, these guys are going to make their own decisions. But from an educational standpoint of exposing guys who are like first generation wealth to information as to how they can make their money work for them instead of blowing it, do you think there's a solution out there or something that you may, you and your brother may even be looking into to kind of help guys basically set themselves up for generational wealth for their families down the road? Um, so, uh, um, so yeah, I, I'm aware of what uh, I mean. You, I was seeing where you were going with that, and yeah, I, did, I remember him saying that. Um, and, uh, and and it's just and it's not the NBA players. I mean, I know he was focused on the NBA players, but that's just I think that's a lot of people. So like um, the more like 
for it, it just it's, it's, it's something in you know especially in our community but it's just like people in general the more you make the more you spend so right. so like you know if you're if you one year you're making you know fifty thousand and then the next year you're making a hundred thousand and the next year you're making hundred fifty thousand you know like in, in your mind you're like okay I'm making more so I can I can I can spend more and that's why you end up living to the paycheck to the paycheck um, scenario right but if you if you were making fifty thousand and then you get up to that hundred fifty thousand or twenty or whatever. Like all you have, you don't have to change a lot. You, you don't have to change a lot if you don't want to. Like, the, the, like one one major thing is like don't make, don't spend more than you make, and you won't be in debt. It's, just, it's really that simple. Like, I mean, right. it, it's kind, it's harder. It sounds harder than it really is. But if you're making, if you're making fifty thousand and you're spending thirty five thousand, you, you have fifty a fifty thousand dollars cushion right there that you know over time it's a patient you can you can build that up and you can invest it whether it's in business or whether it's whatever you know you know insurance or whatever it is whatever it is that you're that you're learning on my process investing in a side health or whatever so so if you're spending if you're um, uh, spending more than you're making you're always going to be playing from behind but if you're uh, not spending more than you're making then that's when that hurts I mean that, that's basically how, how you can Establish that. The second is, is just getting you know educated financially. Like you know, you know, hire somebody. I mean, you know, people are like, oh, I don't want to pay for that. But, but you, you, in my my belief, when like back when I started playing basketball, um, until I hired, like I, I would always do stuff on my own. But I, I you know, I forgot who I spoke with. But somebody said, like, if you're gonna take this seriously, you know, hire a trainer. And one, so when I hired a trainer, you know, to, you know, physically get me ready and, you know, I, you know, and I learned some mental stuff on the way, that's when my, my game, you know, my game started to change. So the same thing in, you know, in business too. So I would say hire some type of, uh, uh, from my life, you trust somebody who has maybe a, a track record or get around that environment, even if you don't have the money. You know, there, there's bartering ways where you can actually, uh, you know, like if, you know, say for example, you, you don't have, you know, money to invest. See what it is that that, that financial that, that financial expert means, and be like, hey, you know, and then barter for it. There, there's a, a story. Uh, this is I don't, I don't want to go too far, but there's a story where there's a boxer. Um, um, actually, it's Prince. I won't even go down the boxer. It's Prince. So when Prince was first starting out, he was a janitor. And uh, he, he's from Minnesota, and he was a janitor. And what he did was he would clean the the person's studio, the studio time. So he, you know, so he would come in, he would clean the whole whatever, and he would trade that for studio time, so he could record his album, he could record his song. So there's ways. So, there's, so it's not always about money; it's just about what is it that you want, and what is it that person that you're working with, what do they want, and then you can barter if you don't have that 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 money to you know at first. Now, when you get the money, invest because right. I'll always, you know, that you, you can. And this is from experience. You, you will never lose if you invest in yourself. It's it's impossible. That's one thing that's impossible because you, you, as long as you're learning from the lessons, let me add that part. As long as you're learning from the lessons, if you just keep on investing, investing, and you're not getting any lessons out of it, then yeah, you're, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna continue to lose. But if you're investing in yourself. 
and you're investing in what it is that you want to do, you know, how, how can you lose? Because it's what, it's what that you want. You know, there's that Jim Carrey quote that's saying, like, you are gonna you can fail at what you don't want, you might as well fail at what you do want. Mm-hmm. So, if you invest in yourself, then, you know, you, you, you can just figure it out. On what. You don't have to have all the answers when, when you start. But that financial, you know, you know, I know I'm going down to uh, my people class, but that financial education, like, you, you have to be financial educated and, and learn, learn how, you know, money works so you can build that generational wealth. Get around people who are doing it and just, you know, because success is close. So just get around people who are doing it already and then, you know, if you outgrow them, you know, there's the people who want to be the big fish in the pond. It's like, no, just, you can be a, a big fish in a little pond. You can, mm-hmm. you know, the people who want to be, you know, sharks and, you know, lakes. Once you go be a shark in the ocean, you know, and then you figure out there's, there's wells out there. So, I mean, you can mm-hmm. go out there and just get, and then you can get around those, you know, people who are doing it. You learn in that environment, you become a product in that environment, then you can go back. And, you can, and that's how you can go back and reach back into your community, reach back into, you know, your hood or whatever. And, like, and the people who want to take your hand, they will. And the people who are like, oh, man, he's tripping, you know, like, man, he's sold out. He's like, no. I mean, it, it, it's the same, you know, the last quote. <laughs> so the same thing, like, what Harriet uh, Tubman said. He, uh, she, she said she could have freed a lot more slaves because they, they didn't know they weren't they were, they didn't know they were slaves. Mm-hmm. And so when you're going back and you're reaching back on your community and you're like, hey, you know, there's some people going to take a hand and, you know, you, you can lead them out. And there's some people who are like, because they don't, it's that unknown factor. And, you know, they, they just don't know. And if they don't know, then I can, I can be better. Uh, a plot, a plot, there's the, the, the thing when we were growing up saying, knowledge is power, but that's not the case. It's applied knowledge is power. So the knowledge that you get, you have to go out there and apply it so you can get those results. And then that's when you start, you know, building that, you know, your your generational wealth or whatever it is that you're, you're working for. I like that. Or, I know that was a long answer. I need to stop long answer. Dude, it, it was, was a long question. It was, so. <laughs> it was solid. It was a long question, so all good. <laughs> Uh, get, get you got anything else, man? No, man, I, I, I'm good, man. I've, I've enjoyed this, man. <laughs> Listen, before you go, before we let you go, bro, and, and by the way, man, I want to thank you so much, man, for reaching out and want to be a part of what we got going on over here, bro. Uh, before before we close out, I want you to give me your top five NBA players. Ooh. Injured or not injured? <laughs> top five NBA players in order? Um... Nah, nah. They don't have to nah. be in order. Are you talking about cur- are you talking about currently playing right now or all time? Not all time. Currently playing right now. Okay. I don't care okay. if they're injured or not. Current players, all time. Uh, like, like, not all time, but current players right now. Okay. Um, I would say, um, I would say Giannis is one of them. Um, I would say, and I like Giannis because, like, he he got that old school mentality, like. Yo, I don't want to turn with any of you guys. Like, I want to beat you guys. So, right. Giannis is definitely one of them. Uh, LeBron, I would say, is one of them. Uh, I would say KB, mm. uh, he, he's one of them. Uh, I, I got to go with Steph. You know, the baby face of fashion. <laughs> um, and then Kawhi. Kawhi Leonard. You actually have my exact top five, too. That's crazy. <laughs> that is my, like, I got my list right here, and you name everyone on my list. That's crazy. I, I, I'm cheating off the table. 
man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jamar, um, Jamar, go ahead and plug your stuff, man. Uh, Let the people know how to find you. Let our listeners know how to find you so they can uh, get connected with all your greatness on uh, on social media. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and drop that. Yeah, so, um, yeah, you can um, just, you know, follow me uh, at Jamar Warren, J-A-M-A-H-R Warren, W-A-R-R-E-N. Um, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, um, Snapchat, uh, Facebook, uh, just at, at Jamar Warren. And then, uh, you know, just, you know, wake up with me, you know, follow me and uh, send me a message. You know, I, I answer all my messages, so just, just send me a message and we, we can commit. Boom, there it is, y'all. Jamar Warren, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thanks again, brother. God bless you, bro. Walker, dude, you know, you know how pumped I get when we have guests on, man. And uh brother Jamar Warren did not disappoint, man. What you think? Um, no, I enjoy having him on. It's again, it's cool to know when people people f with you. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And people want to come on your platform and chop it up. And so, for a first conversation, I thought it went very well. What do you think, dude? I didn't want to get out of there. <laughs> you know, if it were up to me, this would be a four hour podcast with him being three hours of it. You know, but uh, but no, nah, it, was, it was good times, man. Look, looking forward to having him on the pod again. Um, yeah, no, he was he was great. Shout out to Jamar Warren. Yes, man. thank you again, he, brother. He so as All we right. as we normally uh, do, man, let's get into this uh, discuss or trash foolishness, man. Uh, for for our new listeners, if you're new listening to us, this is uh, we call it Dort. It's a weird acronym for discuss or trash. Walker has topics. I got topics. We put them out there. We decide are we going to talk about it or we're we just going to dismiss it. So um, Walker, I'm in a very generous mood, so I'm going to let you lead us off. Okay. Um, I have an update about Babyface and Petty Riley. Please give me that. Okay, so as we were recording a week ago, because we went down our list of, of tracks that we would recommend for each artist or that we would pick for each artist, uh, it was announced that they were postponing that battle. And actually, we're recording on Sunday. I think yesterday, uh, Babyface actually celebrated a birthday. Oh, okay. And he recently said that he had recently had been under the weather. Actually, Teddy Riley mentioned it uh, early last week. I think he was on the Breakfast Club, and he mentioned that Babyface was under the weather. Mm. And Babyface later confirmed that he had tested positive for the coronavirus. Man, come on. I didn't hear about any of this. No. I mean, mean, of course, he kept it under wraps. Right. But he's doing... He's doing better. I think he's now tested negative for it. And I think they have scheduled to resume or actually have that competition next Saturday, which will be April the 18th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on IG. Okay. So be on the lookout for that. That's all I got about that. Um, Prayers to to Babyface and his family. I'm glad to hear that that he's making a swift recovery. And uh, that's good news. So well, that's this, that's why it didn't happen. This isn't a topic. Um, this isn't one of my topics, but I just want to say I, I watched um, Ebro in the Mornings recap of Scott Storch and um, Manny, Manny Fresh. Yeah, dude. And it was the first like it was the first one, one of those like little battles or challenges that I've absorbed. And I really, really got into it. And uh, 
Storch got at him. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I didn't know I didn't know Scorch was involved in so many bangers. But you know, whatever. But I, I'm I just want to say that I'm loving this platform, and I'm loving this whole concept of these artists having battles over tracks that they've done. I'm just I'm I'm all about it. So. I'm anxiously waiting for uh, for Babyface and Teddy Riley to go ahead and get us that, so we can really lose our minds next week. So yeah, and keep in mind this this is like like the Scott Storches and the Manny Freshes, the T Pains, the Lil John. Those are basically supposed to be the undercard. Oh. Like this is the main event. I didn't even you know, know there was a structure to it. Okay, that's good info. Not really. I'm just saying. You okay. know what I mean? Because people have been hyping this one. Um, like heavy, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So to me, I feel like this is a big one gotcha. because these are two big, highly celebrated uh, producers. So yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. Cool. All right, man. What do you got? Um, Broadway Joe Biden. He's got a student loan forgiveness plan. I ask you, Walker, discuss or trash? Let's discuss it briefly. Okay. So um, just to bring listeners up to snuff, which you probably are. Um, Bernie Sanders finally threw in the towel and um, he's, he says, you know what, I'm out of here. I'm not dealing with you Democrats anymore. I'm not going for president or the nomination, I should say. So, um, Gatry's jo- word, not Bernie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Joe, um, Joe wastes no time after Bernie concedes. Um, he says, you know what, um, what I'm going to do when you elect me president, I'm going to do the student loan forgiveness per- or forgiveness plan. And essentially, to give you bare bones, um, if you earn less than one hundred and twenty-five thousand a year, and you've got student loans from a uh, from a from a public uh, two-year or four-year institution, you would be eligible for this plan. In addition, if um, I don't think there's an income limit on this, but if you attended any HBCU and you have student loans, you qualify for this forgiveness, um, Walker surface level thoughts um uh feeling wise i think this is really good i think i think this is good for a lot of people um emotion wise i'm i i gotta ask the question this is going to be cynical so y'all forgive me i'm playing the villain here but i don't i don't understand the emphasis like i I don't understand like why everybody's all high on this student loan forgiveness thing right now because for for me and, and i'll admit you know i don't have any student loan debt but you know i'm married to a woman who does all of hers is postgraduate or post undergrad if you will but um my thing is like you made a decision to borrow money for your education and with that decision you agreed to pay it back so you know my, my my mind is really weird walker and thinking okay well you know i i took out a loan on my truck uh, yeah, and, and I said I was going to pay back that money at that interest rate. Is is there going to be be a time that comes along where I say, you know what, I need to be forgiven for this? Thoughts? Okay. Walker? I need I need to hear what you say because you 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 can be a voice of reason at times. I think you're going to deliver reason with your thoughts right now. Well, I think oftentimes the reason why people invest in an education and people uh, take out student loans because of the prospect of the money you'll be making down the road, right? And so oftentimes you think about the money you make, but you don't take into account inflation. You don't take into account the fact that the cost of living rises as you make money. And so you typically think that you're going to be able to pay off some of these student loans 
uh, within the first five years of you being out of school. When in reality, oftentimes people don't even get get opportunity to even work in the field that they even majored in, right? Okay. Because getting a job becomes difficult um, in that field. You got a lot of people, I mean, homeboy I went to school with, smart dude, good dude, but he went to school and ended up becoming an entrepreneur <laughs> because he had, he struggled finding a job out of college. And so oftentimes, even if you do get a job, it's very low entry level. Um, and again, you're trying to, you're on your own. You're trying to, you know, keep your head above water. And then there's those loans. So for a lot of people, I mean, it, it's easy to say that when you're comfortable and you can, you're in a position where you can't pay them off, but that's not everyone's situation. So I understand the need for uh, student loan forgiveness because oftentimes it's, it's a fine print that we look at, but we ignore it because of the possibilities that we've been sold on with going to college, making a lot of money and doing this sort of thing. When in reality, a lot of people aren't even working in the field that they went to school for. So I think there's a place for it. Well, good point, Walker. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to give this trigger warning and then we can move on. But if, if, and I'll just be honest. I don't. I don't see Joe Biden. Joe Biden winning the presidency. But let's just say he okay. does, and this actually happens because you know politicians promise us a lot of stuff. Um, let's say he wins, and this does happen. Trigger warning. Trigger alert. Be on the lookout for employers to start paying college graduates even less, knowing that their student loans are going to be forgiven. Just saying, I'm just putting that out there. So this is going to have to balance itself out some kind of way. I think that's going to be one of many things that happens. Just my thoughts. I thought the Golden State Warriors would win the NBA Finals this year, which we'll never know. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> they were not. Go ahead. <laughs> right. uh, next topic, Walker. Um, It's on you. Oh. No, no, you missing it. You missed, yeah, you, yeah, it is on you because you actually, you actually took mine was bernie sanders in this campaign and you wrapped it up in yours so that's uh, that was, okay. that was it's, it's on you now shout out to the bernie sanders campaign too y'all y'all did your thing um i'm gonna keep it political walker uh let's go to let's go to the cheese factory that's called wisconsin um dude they, they went through <laughs> with their primary elections man i gotta ask you discuss or trash um can we be brief on this one yes what are your thoughts i think it's disgusting <laughs> and I, I mean and for for obvious reasons we, we we're in the we're in the midst of this covid19 pandemic and um, figuratively and literally right and uh, yeah. the elected officials who would manage if this election would happen or not could not see eye to eye and it left voters hanging in the balance and um i'm, I'm just I'm, I'm not a fan i'm not a fan and that's as simple as i can put it I don't know where we go from here in terms of like handling voting moving forward, even even after we're past this pandemic, because we have to acknowledge and be honest about the fact that COVID-19 will change how we do life. Yes. Right. One of the things that is going to it's going to very is going to impact a lot is voting, because when you think about how outdated our voting process is, um, typically who are manning the polls on Election Day? Is it who are the people working? Older people, older people yeah. who are most susceptible to COVID nineteen. Oh, older people. Mm. We got to reevaluate how we do this. 
And granted, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think you you have to make a decision as as a state on protecting your people, even though we know politics is important. But if if you are having politicians and and people in government saying you need to stay home, then we may have to postpone this 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 uh, this election to another time where we know it's safe for people to get out and amongst each other. True. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if that's a, I don't know if there's extenuating circumstances. I don't know how you work or navigate through that because timing is very critical in this election cycle, but I don't know. But again, we got to have a, a conversation moving forward as to how we handle elections because I don't see how we ever do this the same way. Gotcha. I agree. Man. My uh, what happened in Wisconsin was disgusting. Um, Okay. Uh, next topic, a lot lighter and does not have to do with um, at least uh, uh, United States politics. Um, I, <laughs> Walker, I could get away from this next one. But uh, Todd Gurley, Deion Sanders, number 21. Discuss or trash? Um, you can discuss this. What's this about? So, so Todd Gurley uh, recently signed with the, with the Falcons after being cut by the Rams. And um, he he wanted number twenty one, and um, he some kind of way got in contact with Dion. Dion advised him strongly not to take that number, which I thought was kind of odd. Um, fun fact here, Walker: the Atlanta Falcons they don't retire numbers. Your greats like your Dion Sanders are um, are kind of paid homage to in the Ring of Honor in the stadium in the Mercedes Benz Dome. But um, any, any number essentially is up for grabs for the Falcons. That's just like a team they, thing. They don't retire numbers. They do not or retire they numbers. Have it. Well, they well both. They they they've never retired a number, and they that's not a practice. I got a Falcon show coming, but go ahead. Okay. <laughs> uh, to be respectful. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't even have to say it now because you know you're I, I, think, I think I know where you're going but I, I'll continue through this topic and then when you feel led to drop that joke you go for it um, you know I, I think about your Michael Irvins right a totally different franchise but you know um, Des Bryant reached out and asked for permission to wear the 88 which I think is a big thing that, that number had been retired I believe for the Cowboys um, Michael Irvin granted him permission to wear it. He wore it. We've seen this with other teams as well. This is one that sticks out because I, I consider Dion and Mike to be cut from similar cloths, if you will. Um, but I just, it, there was, I could find no reason or basis to why Dion did not want him to wear 21. When, it, if we're being, if we're being honest, um, uh, I think his name was Marcus Trufant had been wearing 21 for the Falcons for the past five or six years. You're Googling him now, Walker, because you have no idea who he is. So, I mean, I, I don't know if Dion had any, had any disagreeing uh, thoughts about Trufant wearing 21. But my thing, my biggest thing I, I don't like about this is why is it a big deal that Ty Gurley wants to wear it if the number's available? So, um, well, just, just to give an update, give an update on that. Um, Dion has since tweeted, and it's reported by ESPN that he actually was joking and was uh, he was cool with he was cool with Tyra Gurley wearing it. Okay, so I said all this for nothing. Um, yeah, I'm looking at it now. I hate the internet. Just to help us stay current. Um, but yeah, he was saying um, 
Here's a tweet. Thank you for your love, but it ain't that deep to me. I was joking with Todd Gurley. Love that youngster, and I'm proud that he will represent it right. I love these kids that play today, and I wish them all well. A number didn't make prime time. A number didn't make prime. Prime made the number. That just so, reeks yeah. of publicist, but whatever. Okay, well, I guess Maybe. that wraps up that topic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my thing is, you know, you got to win a Super Bowl, I guess, to, to, to really know you got great players to start retiring jerseys. So, you know, that's probably why the Falcons don't retire. <laughs> Walker, you got to be ashamed I mean, of yourself. If you, got, if, you got chips, if you got chips under your belt, you're retiring some jerseys. You're ungratefully indebted to some player for bringing your city a title. Right. <laughs> the nerve of you. But then again, if you ain't won one yet, I get it. Right. So. <laughs> Walker, you don't hold back. Um, so to close out, discuss the trash Walker. I, I want to ask, have you finished all American? Yes. I okay, good. We're not going to go into detail about it just because of time, but, um, one of our listeners reached out to me and, uh, asked me a question that, um, you know, emotionally got me in a really good and thought provoking state. So I was like, I'm going to save this for Walker. You ready for this Walker? Okay. All right. Yeah. So he asked me, he said, which which show is better, All American or Friday Night Lights? Mm. <laughs> it's t- it's I tough for me. I, I wasn't able to give him an answer. I don't think the sample sizes. I don't think the sample sizes on each side are comparable, personally. Because you, you've got All American with two seasons, and you got Friday Night Lights with at least five or six seasons, right? Yeah, I'm not sure if that's fair because okay. I, we have seen shows start off strong three seasons in, and then just wither away. Right. Right. So right. let's 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 hold off on that comparison until until uh, let's hold off on that comparison until All American gets a few more seasons under the show. Which it will. We we know they're going to have a third season. Um, yeah, just by the virtue of how it is. But I like the comparison though, in a, in a sense, Walker, uh, just because culturally speaking, you've got <laughs> you've got Friday Night Lights based in a predominantly white suburban, well, not suburban, it's probably middle class area of town, football crazed town where everything is localized uh, or or football is everything in that local uh arena that they that they are depicting and then you've got all american which definitely more culturally culturally diverse and you're dealing with a different set of issues with a different totally different cultural base and um sure you know, I like I and this is why I was so geeked by the question cuz I like uh shaping that dichotomy between the two shows i mean it's i mean the nucleus on both sides is uh high school football but the issues that underlie these shows are totally different and i love the comparison so um i guess we'll i st- would i would lean if i had to lean a sort of way i would lean towards all american because a lot of the issues it talks about resonates with me okay but i want to wait i want to wait on the show we don't know we don't know we don't know where they're taking the show. Walker, one thing we can agree with, even after two seasons of Friday Night Lights, the acting was much better than Friday Night Lights. Let, can we can we be honest about that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and it wasn't like the acting was real bad in All-American, but 
I, I'll say this about I'll say this. I did like how season two ended. Me too. Me too. Yes. I didn't I was not stoked about how I knew I put it this way. I knew where it was going, but I was really hoping it would it would have been more convincing. Ah, uh, okay. I got you. How they got there. I yes. knew where they were gonna end up. But I was like, yeah, that that didn't really do it for me. Season but. two is just an extremely emotional season, man. Extremely emotional. But uh, again, well, that, we, we, we said it before. Be Say it again. That should be a plus for you. Oh, big plus. That's what. That's why I keep asking you every week. You see it? You see it? You see it? <laughs> but um, gotcha. But no, shout out to the <laughs> to the writers of uh, All American. Um, I know all y'all listen to this podcast. Y'all are absolutely knocking out of the park. So. Um, well, Walker, that concludes it for Discuss the Trash for me, uh, unless you got something else. Uh, no, no, we can move on to the next segment. Which All right. What is, is our next segment? Shout out and player of the week. We shout out people who are doing dope things in the community and in the world across the board. And we shout out a person who played themselves within the past week. Hence the term player of the week. <laughs> so Gat, who are you shouting out? Man, I'm, I'm going to keep it local. Um, have you heard? Well, let, let me ask you this. I got two two leading questions for you. Do you smoke cigars, Walker? No, I don't either. Dang it! I was I was really thinking you did because I was like he really appreciate this, but oh well. Um, um, I think is I think is I think is really dope. But yeah, wifey, uh, I asked wifey about it, and she was like, um, no. <laughs> you know, I've never had an interest. You know, and I've been around cigar smokers, but I just. I just never had an interest in just sparking one up and seeing what happens, but whatever. Um, no, um, my shout out is the, uh, the, I guess the Birmingham chapter of the cigar men of distinction. So, um, what they've done recently, this is, this is a, uh, cigar club where, um, gentlemen meet around the city, different cigar shops. And, you know, they just, they have, they, they have fellowship over, you know, different cigars and, they get access to, you know, uh, exclusive cuts of cigars and, you know, they kind of get together, puff them and give their opinions and just have a good time. But um, there's a purpose with with these men of distinction and that is community service. So with their with their uh, membership fees, dues and um, donations, they were able to raid <laughs> Costco and um, get several $500 gift cards to hand out to single mothers impacted by COVID-19 by way of, you know, single mothers who have lost their jobs uh, due to COVID-19. And uh, they were able to make a direct impact by way of $500 gift cards for a series of single mothers in the city. Walker, you don't get any doper than that, in my opinion. So uh, uh, Birmingham Cigar Men of Distinction, you are my shout out for this week. That's dope. Yeah, man. That's dope. They had, a, they had, a, video, they had a video on social media of them like handing uh-huh. these things. Say it again. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, they had a video on social media where, you know, they, they got footage of them handing out these cards and the reactions from the people rece- receiving them. Just, you know, that got to me, Walker. So, yeah, I, I was like, I got to shout these guys out. Um, pretty much our shout outs are just consisting of people being angels during this moment of time. Yeah. Um, mine is actually Tyler Perry. 
And mm-hmm. granted, man, you there's a there's just a buffet of people to choose from because there's a lot of people who are being good Samaritans out here in these streets. Yes. But what Tyler Perry did was he actually during a period of time where the elderly usually go do do their grocery shopping. Mm-hmm. Tyler Perry basically picked up grocery tasks at 44 local Kroger's across the metro Atlanta area for the elderly and high-risk shoppers. Um, So pretty much elderly and high-risk shoppers were surprised when they got to the register and learned that all their stuff was free. That's crazy. And so it just showed like people just being brought to tears and just, just having gratitude knowing that Hey, this this is on this is on Tyler. Tyler got it. You have a blessed day. Yes. So, um, again, man, like again, Tyler is always he's always been doing dope things, inspiring things, and so just just another example in a long list of dope things he's doing. So, shout out to Tyler Perry. Okay. <sighs> You know, this, this, this swift transition to the foolishness always gets me, Walker, but it's a part of our show. So, <laughs> you know, we might as well just go ahead and get into it. My only question for you is who who do you do you want to go first? Do you want me to? My mine's extremely stupid and extremely light. Um mine, I mean, that's mine as well. I'll go first. Okay. You went first last time. I don't have a name. I don't have a name, but the story is is so funny to where they had to be player of the week. So this this comes from South Africa. A newly married couple, a pastor who officiated their wedding, and 50 guests got arrested for conducting and attending a wedding ceremony during a COVID-19 lockdown in South Africa. Oh, my goodness. Now, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Listen. I, I can only imagine what people are feeling who have scheduled their wedding to take place this year. Especially during the time where things are locked down and people are, are being encouraged and in some cases required by law to practice social distancing and staying away from large crowds, right? Yeah. But that don't mean you subject your guests. And I mean, I know it's all about you on your wedding day. But that's just the thing, Gat. There is no wedding day. Right. Now, if you just got to get married, take it to the courthouse, make it official so you can go get it in. But unfortunately, this married couple spent their honeymoon night in jail. Oh, my goodness. That is, I mean, granted, it's memorable. You'll never forget your wedding night. But I was kind of hoping, you know, for me and my wife, we would not be in jail like this couple was. So right. I don't think it's that deep. They'll go to the courthouse, schedule something later on, okay? Uh, If you can get your money, your deposits back. If not, reschedule it for a celebration later. A lot of people get married all the time and then have a celebration later. This is probably going to have to be the thing if you can't hold out. So this couple didn't and uh, subjected a few other people to being arrested as well. So uh, a lot of people got booked that day. So these are my player of the week. Um. Is it, I mean, is it pretty safe to assume that most people kind of understand if your wedding had to be postponed? I would think so, especially if they wasn't planning on coming anymore. Right. And God, I, I, I hate it because, I mean, I'm married already. So like, I, I could probably never understand 
if we had to push our wedding back like the emotions that come with that but considering do you think it's the go ahead do you think it's the bridezilla moment oh of course of course i mean because who wants a wedding more than the bride right in most cases in most cases yeah so yeah absolutely um you know the I remember my wife saying that, you know, as a girl growing up, this is one of the things, one of the constant thoughts you have is your wedding day. Like, this is a huge thing in like womanhood. So um, I kind of get it. But at the same point, like, we've got a pandemic that's impacting everyone. You know, I, right. th- I think folks understand, you know, if you got to push it back, you know, a few months or, or when, however long. But I love your, I love your solution of just, you know, because I think back to us. Uh, we went to the courthouse uh, before our actual wedding, you know, and got the certificate. So we were technically married before our wedding ceremony. So um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It didn't. It, I mean, it didn't mean anything really uh, in, in comparison to the wedding. But you know, you're right, man. Like, yeah, just go. If it's that deep, go get your certificate. I don't even know if you can do that, but go go get your certificate so you can get it in if you got to get it in and then just invite everybody when we get on the other side of this thing i don't think that's a big yeah. deal but anyway and my thing is think about what you do during the wedding i mean people want to hug you take pictures with you you're you, there's so many opportunities to get close and do you know have a normal wedding like like we remember doing right but my thing is if if, if that is health concerns around that your wedding is not even going to be the same i mean clearly theirs wasn't because they got arrested exactly but i'm saying like it's not going to be the same because people are going to have health concerns not everyone's going to want to be close and up front and all that type of like it's not going to be the same so gotcha. just just well, push it back yeah. anyway they'll, they'll look back and laugh on this one day but um, anyway, speaking of getting arrested, Walker, um, have you ever been to Middleborn, Ohio? No. Okay. It's about 95 miles east, east of Columbus. Beautiful town. I think you'd enjoy it. Um, if you ever do decide to go, though, um, don't go dressed as an Easter bunny. <laughs> We're recording on Easter Sunday, so I just I felt like this player of the week was uh, was fitting. Um, this man. Pretty festive. Yeah, <laughs> this man, um, his name was not released, but uh, he's a 49 year old Caucasian male. Uh, he approached an Easter bunny who was out um, get, handing out uh, socially distant Easter baskets for uh, for children. So um, this 49 year old man approaches this Easter bunny and uh, brandishes a gun and presi- uh, presume or excuse me, proceeds to um, pointing the gun in the face of the Easter Bunny while kids were in viewing distance. Um, So, Walker, I know you're like me and thinking, what would move a man to do such a thing to something as harmless as an Easter Bunny? Well, um, after this man was arrested and after they found uh, a 12-pack of open, open 12-pack of beer in his car, um he went on the record slurred speech and all talking to cops about how he did not believe in the easter bunny um this this man followed up these comments by saying uh easter's bigger than a bunny okay so um you know he he of course got arrested he's uh he's (laughs) awaiting trial which i would assume will probably be be a good while um but you know, Walker, I can my my assumptions lead me to think, you know, you know, I've heard people talk about Easter being bigger than the bunny. 
Um, and I would have to think this would lead me lead me to believe that this person is of a Christian faith. But my thing is, I, I can't seem to think or identify part of the faith where it says, you know, um, let's persecute the Easter Bunny. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, or be drunk off. I'll be drunk off roof uh, prior to that. Here we go, Walker. I didn't want to preach today, but you know you're on the pulpit, so go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm right. just saying. I mean, <laughs> we're going to overlook a few things on your part to be self righteous on this end. Uh, that don't. That don't. That don't match. And so, uh, whoever this man is, uh, you've, you've played yourself ultimately in loosely trying to manipulate the faith to justify your reasons for holding the Easter bunny at gunpoint. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have much more to add to this Walker. I just, it's, it's disgusting. Um, personally, yeah, I'm not, yeah, personally, I'm just, I'm not crazy about the Easter bunny, no, but I'm not gonna, I don't have anything against it. Um, my my kids are fans of the Easter Bunny and all the Easter Bunny brings, so I'm not gonna rob them of that. But goodness, gunpoint! Come on, man. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, sad times we live in right now with certain people, but whatever. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think I think uh, I think I think COVID nineteen has really. <laughs> made people even more crazy yes and the longer people are quarantined the crazier folks are going to get I, I hate saying that but i mean i think it's i think there's some truth in in that but yeah like so. like one man told me earlier this week we are one day closer to being on the other side of this and that thought is part of what keeps me going so yeah hang on yeah <laughs> but, um before we get out of here man you want to um you want to yeah, I want acknowledge to. the people who passed on? Yes. So um we we just we want we want to pay homage and respects to um uh Bill Withers who passed away uh maybe a week ago, I think. Uh we, we failed to mention that on our last recording, but we want to make sure we did shout him out. This is a Bill Withers is a musical legend. Uh the the, the news of this struck me, Walker, because I um I know I can remember vividly Bill Weathers records being spun in in the house we lived in when I was young, and um mm-hmm. we we know we know the lean on me's and the uh, just use me we know that we know the songs I mean epic songs uh, not just nationally but on a global scale uh, we know the impact these these songs have had and um, I, I don't know if you've seen Bill Weathers documentary that was on Netflix a while ago. Um, but it was, oh man, it was moving and it, it was just good to hear him talk about why he took a hiatus from the music industry and it, it just made you look at things a little differently. But um, this man, Bill Withers, is an icon and, and uh, on behalf of The Tipping Point, we uh, we wish you well, rest in peace. And um, yeah, that's all I got to say about Mr. Withers. What you got, Walker? Um, I want to say an RIP to civil rights leader, uh, the late Joseph Lowry, um, beloved in the state of Alabama. Um, definitely uh, was a very charismatic guy. Like I, I first, I first uh, saw this guy um, in person. Uh, he was actually at my church. Oh, wow. um, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was at a funeral, um, actually for another another civil rights leader um, who passed that he was speaking at. 
that civil rights leader is uh, Mr. Shuttlesworth. Oh, goodness. Okay. Um, so I got a chance to hear him speak there, and I was trying to remember where I remember seeing this guy, but he's very charismatic and very funny, even then, man. Like, just had very vibrant, full of life, and uh, have done has done so much for us as a people. So definitely wanted to, um, two, weeks, two weeks behind, but never too late, wanted to just shout out uh, Joseph Lowry, who definitely a big part of our community yes so. sir um also too man i i actually uh want to end out in our in our podcast uh i think i figured out a way to kind of end our podcast dude oh let's hear it so i have something called walker's word for the week uh <laughs> triple w w w okay. w <laughs> I'm having fun with this. So, go ahead, Walker. <laughs> you know how, and again, we record on Sundays. You know, you need your word for the week. Um, so I think that's how we're going to end, end, end the podcast with just a simple word. So here's the word. Your word for the week, guys, is that, yes, God is trying to tell you something. It's not his fault. You just got to make better life choices. How about that? I like that. Okay. That's your word for the week now. Okay. So it's not it's, it's not that God is trying to tell you something. You just need to make better life choice. Mm. And with that, people, we want you to stay safe. We want you to continue to obey the laws of the land. Uh, take time to invest in the people who mean something to you. Let's use FaceTime. Let's use Zoom, whatever you can to be in contact and touch with those close to you. And, uh, guys, take care of yourself and, uh, stand strong. Those of you who may have been furloughed, um, some of you may not have a lot to smile or laugh about, but, uh, we will get through this together and, uh, continue to support the podcast. We'll continue to bring content to you on a weekly basis. And with that, that is the Tipping Point Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys.